everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Welcome friends to an entirely different kind of podcast. Instead of my saunters where I've gone through um, a chapter of the Bible one by one and kind of reflected on each chapter a day at a time. This, I just want to share some things which have been in my mind for a while and I think they're important to talk about. So in the book of the Song of Solomon, um, the guy says to the girl, let's go down to the vineyard and catch the little foxes. The little foxes that destroy the vineyard. Now, I don't think that's a particularly romantic line to come out with as a date idea <laughs> because... But somehow the guy thinks this would be fun. And plus, these little foxes are a menace. They're destroying the vineyards. They're nibbling away at the important things. We should get them out of the vineyard or catch them. And uh, catch a fox and put it in a box. Never let it go. We used to sing that when we were kids. Maybe it's from <laughs> the Song of Solomon. Um, and uh, he, he was saying, let's go and catch these foxes because they're actually a pest and they're causing damage. So... The, now, my uh, the where where my mind is going is these little foxes are like the unbidden thoughts that come into our minds every single day, and some of them we just neatly brush aside and we don't think about them. Like the grossly inappropriate ones, we think I am not even. I gosh, I would hate it if anyone knew I'd ever thought that thought, and it was just like a random passing thought, and it went in my head. And like, ah, now I now <laughs> I you know like. Let's not even give examples, otherwise you won't be able to forget about it. But if you've got a graphic mind like mine, it's hard to kind of... Did, I, did, did that come from me? Where did that come from? It was like an unbidden thought, completely ah, out of character, out of place. I don't want to be associated with it. And so we brush it aside and that's the right thing to do with it. And what we're doing, I don't know where these thoughts come from, whether they come from things we've read or heard of or they bubble up from our subconscious or something like that. I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, so I can't tell you what the science says about those things. But we do get quite good at fielding them. And that is absolutely correct that we should. And so when we're stood on a top of a building and you think, oh, what if... What if I gave that person a nudge? They'd fall. No, that that is an inappropriate thought. Do not think it. Do not even go there. It's like, where did he even come from? I disown it. I disown it. And so we get kind of, ah, uh, we have to learn how to do that kind of stuff, right? But here's the thing: there there are like little foxes. These ideas that come into our minds, and they may be fed into our minds. 
um, through social media or advertising or something like that, where we feel discontented with the life we have and we look at our spouse and we see that they're getting old and their tummy's growing a bit and they're not looking like Adonis or um, who the other one is... Um, Aphrodite anymore. They they kind of like we've lot. Yeah, their hair's grey and they've got nostril hair or whatever, and we kind of thinking, oh, if only I was with a more beautiful younger person, and we or or whatever. Or I think I could do better. I think I married the wrong guy. I think I married the wrong girl. I don't personally. Paul White does not think that, but I'm just saying that these are thoughts that can creep into our minds and we become dissatisfied and we look at the person and we think, oh, do you know what? You've always done that as long as we've been married. And in, instead of it kind of being able to say, yeah, that's, I, I forgive that <laughs> again. I forgive it again. I forgive you again for leaving your socks on the floor or whatever it is. We build up a narrative. Now, let's just think a little bit about how it works. So our brains they tell us remain plastic, they remain malleable um, all the way through our lives. And so we can actually change the physical shape of our brain by what we devote our attention to. So the things that we think of over and over again, they become kind of areas of our brain that develop well. So if you're a mathematician, the part of your brain that's associated with mathematics will be bigger, typically, than the person who's not a mathematician, the corresponding parts in their brain. And they did studies on London taxi drivers and found that they had particularly large areas of their brain which had developed, which were to do with spatial awareness and navigation and so on, which is fascinating. Absolutely incredible. So that actually we sculpt our brain by the thoughts we put in it. Now here's an analogy. There's a beautiful field of unmown grass and you walk across it. No one's walked across it, it's perfectly pristine. You walk across it and your footprints kind of are there, they're visible. Someone could, who was walk, following close behind you could see where you'd been. But in a few hours, the grass would be standing up again and there would be no trace of you having been there. Well, if you went across again an hour later and again an hour later and again an hour later, you would soon begin to tread the grass down and gradually, if you kept repeating that, that journey, you would scuff it away until you'd made a path. And actually, that's exactly what happens in our brains. We think a thought, nothing much happens. We think a thought again, and it just reinforces it a bit. And the more we think that thought, the more we give airtime to that thought, the more it actually carves a little pathway in our brain or forges a little pathway in our brain. And if we go down there a lot, it becomes like a kind of... Uh, a track, then it becomes a road, then it becomes a dual carriageway, and if we think about it a lot, it becomes like a motorway. And those strongly held um, beliefs and patterns and, and habits and so on in our lives are where we've done those things many times, and we thought those thoughts many times, and they've actually changed the physical shape of our brain. Now, there are many, many sources of random thoughts. Some of them, I think, are totally random and seem to be completely out of character. Some of them, I think, are things that we've read and we've spotted on the internet or we've seen on social media and we just begin to feel dissatisfied. And there's social media and advertising particularly seem to 
prey and exploit our tendency towards dissatisfaction and envy. And, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And so we look at the Instagram pictures of someone's holiday and we think, oh, I need a holiday. I won't be happy. My husband, he never takes me on holiday. Oh, my wife, she's so tight. She won't spend any money. We can't go on holiday. Oh, woe is me and sad old me because I don't have... So therefore, there must be something wrong with my marriage or something, you know, oh, it's irretrievable. You know, if only, you know, and, and some... I've seen people develop a little micro-narrative into a kind of narrative, a convincing narrative until the point where they've actually reinvented their whole married life and come up with a completely different version of it than seemed to be evident for the past 20 years. And suddenly it's like, this was always doomed. Well, first we've heard of it. First, you know, and yet that person has been, they, they haven't suddenly reached that conclusion. They've been traveling down that road in their minds a long, long time. Now I've seen young people cut, cut, having cut themselves because somehow they think that if I could cut myself, I could, I could somehow take away this frustration and emptiness or lack of something in my life. I could just appease that for a moment. I could just have some moments. So they, they've seen other people have cut themselves. They see it at school on their friend's arms. They th see things on social media and think, do you know what? Maybe, maybe. And so then they, they begin to think that thought enough until the point where they actually put it into action. And then, of course, what they've done is they've reinforced the thought with an action which makes it even stronger. It's like now my brain, now we're beginning to lay tarmac on that pathway that's in my brain. We're, we're beginning to make it a much more established thoroughfare. And then the momentary whatever it is that is achieved by that is lost and it drifts away and then the tension builds up and we do it you know we've gone there once we can do it again and so on and so on and so on i've seen people who are literally have their brains have convinced them to starve themselves to death and that that somehow is the right thing to do i've seen people who have convinced themselves that they're grossly overweight and kind of go into this crazy reduction thing you know of and to, to the point where their bodies are literally dying and it's all because it started off as a as a a kind of micro narrative a little fox came in and began to sow began to establish a little pathway and they thought yeah I'm ugly I'm fat I'm never gonna I'm, I, I can't be liked I don't fit in I'm the wrong shape I'm my face doesn't fit and so on. And so these things become like a, they start off as a small little footprint through our brain and then they become something that has the power literally to kill us and drive us into uh, our grave, really. And uh, they, there would be a thousand different versions of these micro-narratives. They're not all um, to do with self-harm or... Um, you know, kind of uh, starving oneself or anything like that. But they are, they're lots and lots and lots of things. And, and we look at people whose, whose lives have been ruined, make great, very famous preachers. 
and their lives and their marriages and their whole life's work have been ruined because they allowed a micro-narrative to become established in their mind and become a pathway in their minds where they began to look at a colleague that they worked with and think, if only I was with that person, I would be so much happier. And they begin to allow that thing to become like tarmac road until one day they reach out a hand and touch or they allow themselves you know what I mean they allow that to cross that boundary because they've already crossed it in their minds and there are so many lives that have been ruined because the individual has not learned to catch the little foxes and put them in a box and get them out Paul the apostle says we take every thought captive what's he talking about he's saying we don't wage warfare like the world wages warfare we don't go out there with guns and stuff and fight like that but we wage warfare by pulling down strongholds in our minds and we take captive every thought what do we do with it we take that little fox in the little box and we bring it he says Paul says and we make it subject to the throne of Christ what does that mean It means we say, right, Jesus, I've got this fox in a box that's been in my mind. I'm giving it to you. I want you to dispense with it and get it out of my brain. I disown it. I break all agreement with it. And here it is. I'm bringing it to you. And that we need to become skillful in catching the little foxes before they spoil the vineyard. Now, listen. When God speaks, he doesn't often yell at us in an audible voice. And he doesn't often yell at us through social media. God does not have a Twitter account where he's badgering us day in and day out from his Twitter account. But he has spoken. He's given us his word. The the Bible, he's spoken to us through the Bible, through prophets and men and women of God who wrote down what the Holy Spirit was inspiring them to write. But also he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit in a whisper. There's an incredible story where the prophet has run away because he's afraid for his life. The evil queen Jezebel is going to kill him. He runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. Until he ends up in a cave and he's hiding in his man cave and he's like, oh, hey, oh, I just want to die, God. You know, I'm the only one left who really loves you, blah, blah, blah. And he's having this proper misery session. And then there's this whirlwind and he goes outside and he thinks, oh, perhaps God's in the whirlwind. He goes out and sees the whirlwind and there's dust flying everywhere and twigs and tumbleweed and rocks falling off the cliff face and everything else. And this massive event of nature And God's not speaking in the whirlwind. And he goes out again and there's this fire and this fire roaring up and these big flames and he's covering himself from the fire. And he's thinking, God's going to speak to me. And God doesn't speak to him in the fire. So he's like, oh, wow, God, I I was hoping you were going to speak to me in the whirlwind. or I was hoping you were going to speak to me in the fire. And then there comes this still, small voice. It's like a little inner whisper and it speaks into his very soul his very heart and God speaks to him in that way now God has not changed the way he speaks he still speaks 
in a still small voice. He still often speaks in a whisper. Sometimes he does speak in the whirlwind. Sometimes he does speak in the fire. Sometimes he even speaks through a donkey or somebody who may not look like a donkey. Someone comes up to us and prophesies to us and God's, we know that God's speaking to us, but often it's in that still small And so that still small voice is like the little whisper. It's like the little meta-narrative. It's like the little fox. And yet this one, we do need to listen out for. And so the, here's the thing. So it's not like we just dismiss every kind of thought that comes into way. We, we're listening for a particular one. So we're getting good at dispelling the, the voice of dissatisfaction, the voice of envy, the voice of covetousness, the voice of greed, the, the voice of dissatisfaction. And we're learning to recognise that one and shove it out and to actually do the opposite thing and thank God for our marriage and thank God for our body, thank God for our legs, our bottom, our tummies, our eyes, our nose, our face, wrinkles and all. Let's thank him that it works. Gosh, oh, I, I could get off on a digression. I'll hold that thought just for a second. But we need to to cultivate in our hearts the receptiveness to the voice of God where we learn to catch his word and like the psalmist says I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you now discipleship is not all about going to church and reading your bible every day good things to do part of discipleship but that's not all discipleship is about discipleship is about me becoming somebody whose daily prayer is your kingdom come your will be done on earth i.e. in my life, as it is in heaven. So that I'm accepting and embracing God's will for my life, I'm pursuing God's will for my life and actively engaging with it, that it can come on earth where I am, as it is in heaven. Now, I want to hear what the Father says about me who loves me, not the devil who hates me. When I'm looking at my body and thinking, it's so ugly, I'm so fat, or whatever, I'm agreeing with the devil. He hates me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't want me to prosper. He wants to finish me. He wants my life over. He wants to shut me up before I do him any damage. He wants to get me out of the story. He wants to steal my affections from the true lover, Jesus, and from the Father in heaven who has a plan for my life. So this is what I need to do. I need to pursue his voice. I need to listen intently. I need to turn my ear intentionally to him and close off these other narratives that are being bombarded at me from, from other sources and learn to recognise the source that is speaking to me. There are so many things that have been, have come into our culture in the past few years because there has been a little fox bringing in a micro-narrative and people have embraced it. It's the kind of thing that says you would be happier if you were the opposite sex to what you are. You would be much happier. The problem is that actually you're not a girl, you're a boy. So maybe it would be much better if you began to explore that. And maybe, actually, 
your best friend who's the same sex as you, maybe they're actually the one you should be having as a lover. Maybe maybe that friendship isn't a friendship. Maybe that's your soulmate and you would only be happy. And do you know what I mean? And we begin to... And someone said to me the other day that their friend who'd had a, a same-sex encounter um, had, had said to her, don't knock it until you've tried it. Well, even that can be like a little fox that says, don't knock it until you've tried it. But you know what? The devil never says that about following Jesus. The devil never says, oh, don't knock following Jesus until you tried it. He comes at us and says, oh, don't knock same-sex relationships until you've tried it. You never know. You know, you may be gay or you may be this or you may be that or you may be in the wrong body. And do you know what? The little foxes, the little micro-narratives have led, led to people. There was one guy, right? He was on the TV and he'd had his arm amputated. And this was all to do with a program about body dysmorphia and so on, where we're unhappy with the way our body looks. And so mentally we're, we're maladjusted to that. And so instead of giving him the psychiatric support, um, that would he, he felt that his arm was not part of him. It didn't fit. It was the wrong shape, but the wrong. It, he felt uncomfortable having this arm, and so he. I I can't remember whether he convinced a surgeon to cut it off, or whether he did it himself and survived this. I I, I can't even remember. I should listen a bit more. But the point was this: that he convinced himself that this arm, which was perfectly functional and useful, like any other arm absolutely fantastic piece of engineering and a gift to him from God he'd had it removed now there are people doing that to parts of their body because they've listened to the micro narrative there are people who make themselves look like a cat with plastic surgery and stuff like this because they've listened to the idea this little fox came in and these little micro narratives began to take precedence in their mind they began to give thought to those things well You'd be much happier if you looked like a cat. And I'm not trying to belittle that. What I'm saying is this is really, really serious. This has the... These little foxes have the power to, if we give them space, they have the power to completely change the course of our lives. And yet if we listen out for that still, small voice, that insistent, loving, compassionate, tender voice of God... He will bring us into our destiny. He'll bring us into the fullness of his plans for our life. And whose plan would you rather have? The plan of one who hates you or the plan of one who loves you? There's this idea out there that somehow freedom is the freedom to rebel against God and put the finger up to God and to say, I don't want him to rule over me. I don't want anybody to rule over me. But actually what we're doing when we make that choice is we're saying, I'm going to be ruled over by someone who utterly hates me. I'm actually going to follow the ways of darkness. It will lead me to my death and my ruin spiritually, eternally. And so here we go. Let us catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Let's hold fast to that which is good. Let's take every thought captive and bring it to Jesus to deal with. Let's get used to listening out for his still small voice, the voice of the one who truly loves us. I hope that's been helpful today. 
God bless you. Have an amazing day. Lord Jesus, please let your word take root in our hearts. Let us hear your voice. Let us not be swayed by the voice of the one who hates us and wants to steal our affections from you. In Jesus' name. Amen.